Darren Varson, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast, because to listen is the path to the dark side. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com Execute Order 66. Well, howdy, folks. Welcome back to The Order 66, show number 48 for December the 30th, 2008. We wish everyone a happy new year as we get ready for 2009 to shuttle on in. I'm your host, GM Dave, and with me as always, Mr. GM Chris. Hello, Sam. What is up? What is up, Gamer Nation? It is I, GM Chris, and... Uh, we here at the Order 66 podcast would like to wish you all a very uh, happy uh, Hogmanay, which um, uh, William, old school in Glasgow, has just informed me is this uh, a Scottish term for New Year that I was completely unaware of. And um, that, that's a good thing to know. Oh, so, yeah. Happy Hogmanay, Dave. Happy Hogmanay. And happy Hogmanay to the Game of Nation. And uh, if you just stumbled into the room for the first time, welcome to the Order 66 podcast, the only fan-generated podcast devoted entirely to Star Wars Saga Edition role-playing. And um, <clears throat> I'm feeling pretty happy, Dave. I'm, I'm pretty good. Not as happy yeah, as you were last week, but I'm, you know, I've got, I've got half a beer in my hand and uh, a good pipe filled with a good English tobacco. <laughs> and, uh, you know, life doesn't get much better than this. Well, very good. How awesome. How awesome. Fair. So Perfect. let's get this show on the road. Let's do it. But now, but now, but now, it's been a big week, man. We had some casts get up in this uh, this little D twenty radio I, network. Uh, yeah, talked. I would say so, dude. Uh, I mean, uh, what episode two just got released of Game On, uh, which of course is uh, our good friends Brian and Andy, uh, Fiddleback and Ravenwing on the forums, um, talk board gaming. And have you listened to this cast yet, Dave? No. It's no. good. I, I it's... usually listen to my podcast on the way to work, and since I'm not working this week, I haven't really been listening to podcasts. So. Ah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Well, they talk about Ameritrash, and if you want to know what Ameritrash is, you're going to have to listen and find out. But I never li- Oh, wait, never mind. Sorry. That's good. Uh, no, wrong one. <laughs> But you were busy too, man, because you and mostly Joe managed to get up, what was it, episode four of the Holocron? Number four, yes, sir. And you guys talk about all that good news in the Old Republic, and uh, uh, you guys explore kind of the vagaries of some existing MMOs, yeah. uh, and you got to, even had a few special guests on. What little bit of news there is trickling out. Yeah. You know. And again, the only bit of news that comes out is just because JR runs his mouth. 
<laughs> That's what executives do. That's their job. They run their mouths and they let information slip that they really shouldn't. And right. they have to put a recant statement out. And half the time it's not even right anyway. And then you know, what are you going to do? No idea. No idea. But you guys had a fun cast too, man. You had, you had some special guests on there. And speaking of special guests, you had one special guest, um, our good friend uh, on the forums, old school, William, uh, from Glasgow. And uh, do you want to you want to announce this, or should I? Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. We are having another podcast that is soon to be joining the D20 Radio Network. Uh, William and uh, his good friend Mark, both out of Glasgow, uh, run. A, a wonderful podcast. It's got a couple episodes out. The Small But Vicious Podcast, which is devoted entirely to Warhammer fantasy RPGing, uh, which is a cool system. I haven't played it, but I understand it's a percentile system, which is pretty wicked. But I mean, I know Warhammer's huge across the pond. Oh, yeah. Um, I know we don't play so much of it in the States, but um, I haven't played the RPG. Um, so it sounds kick kick yeah. ass, right, Me either. Me, I, I, I never got into Warhammer. I tried, I did, I really did, but I never quite got well, into it. You know, the, the, for table, as far as tabletop RTSs go, I mean, it's it's expensive. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really expensive. Um, but you know, seriously, I, I would love to do the role playing game. And um, these guys have a dynamite cast; they have a lot of fun, and we're happy to be adding them to the D twenty Radio Network. And uh, we're going to see. I'm sure. You know, I, I know. I know that you're. You know, emailing back and forth with them right now, getting things set up. But hopefully, I mean, what we'll have. You know, forum space set up soon. So. Oh yeah, I, yeah. Once we get all the details ironed out, yeah, we'll. Yeah, probably by the end of the week, I would imagine. Since I am off this week, I should have some time to do some stuff. But you know, you never know. Yes. And uh, thank you all for everyone who's in the chat room right now. Uh, of course, if you. Uh, those of you who are watching on the live vidcast as yep. we record this wonderful episode 48. As always. Yes. And where can we find the link if you guys want to get to the live vidcast? That would be on the right side of our D20 Radio homepage. Which is what, D20Radio.com? D20Radio.com. And on the right side it says live video. Fantastic. And thank you guys for the bumpers. If you guys want to send in any more bumpers or any questions for the show, of course, you know you can uh, uh, call it in at the Lusa line, uh, 206-600-5872. Um, or, of course, you can email us, gmchris at d20radio.com, gmdave at d20radio.com. Or, of course, you can go to d20radio.com slash forum, and you can become a member of the Game Nation and sign up. Ah, indeed. And, dude, if you happen to go to the forums and you go to the, the uh, D20 Radio swag thread... Um, I know that um, uh, uh, the fine guys, Nick, over at Cra- Crazy Custom Tees, they're trying to work up a new t-shirt design for D20 Radio. And so he's uh, started a thread, and they're taking suggestions. Nice. Uh, yeah, we might have a new t-shirt coming out. That'd be good. Should, should be very, very fantastic. And um, I guess the last announcement, really, um, well, I've said this the past couple weeks, and I'm going to say it again because the entries have been slow. Uh, new contest. Uh, sort of. I want your builds. Um, I am, of course, uh, my flagship campaign that I'm running, the Alternate Universe campaign. I am looking for NPCs, good, solid backstory, and really anything, anything you want to do, from a, a used speeder salesman to a Sith Lord to, a, a, you know, a bartender. It really doesn't matter. Level 10 through 20, anything you want. I want it. And uh, the contest will end 
at the end of January, at which point in time we will declare a winner, and the winner will receive a D20 Radio t-shirt purchased by me, and I will have it mailed directly to your home, and it will be a good thing. It will be sweet. It will keep you warm. It will keep you warm. It will keep you warm at night when it's a little cold outside, being wintertime and all. (laughs) Just don't, you know, don't put it on your 11-year-old and expect him to walk 10 miles to Mama's house, because that'll get you in trouble. Yeah, probably. Probably. So, cold, cold my ass. Now, I, I, I know we got listeners all over the place. We got listeners in some really cold parts of the world. All right, so we're in Dallas. And, you know, we got down to a little bit below freezing, like the week before Christmas. And Christmas, what, the day after Christmas, it was... 72. Or, 80, 70. 83. 83 because we broke the record high. That's what it was. Eight, 83 degrees the day after Christmas at Fahrenheit. Uh, so, um, that... Uh, that that freaks me out, dude. I know, I know. So I, I don't know, I don't know. How was your holiday, man? It was good, dude. I uh, we got some loot. My wife and I uh, decided to go out and spend a little money on our front of our house. So we uh, have a new uh, piece of equipment called a plasma lift. Don't know if that sounds seen... erotic. It is a. <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite right. I mean, I guess it could be if you used it. Anyway, it's a, it's a, basically, it's a giant console, right? Where a plasma TV can be, re- you know, you raise it and lower it on a hydraulic lift, and it looks really cool. Uh, to go with the plasma that I went out and got for Christmas for us. Oh, you turd! Because you, because you didn't have a big TV already, huh? Well, my big TV, the, uh, you know, the colors separating on it really bad, so it. Makes it makes it very hard to watch TV because it's anyway it's about to die so it's sitting out in the garage getting ready to get demolished as we speak and oh yeah let me demolish it I can use the parts well actually what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give it to my in-laws and I think it can be fixed with a new project projection like I'm not sure what but it basically it lines up the color separation again so ah you know it's like three or four hundred bucks and it's a first generation HD TV so got a few years on it yeah about 10 so dang yeah wow so you know it's not bad it was good it was a good deal you know my wife got us a recliner and so i've been sitting at home and you know i do netflix through the xbox 360 so all day today i just watched i caught up on my uh my uh, ncis that i missed almost the entire season last season so i've been catching up Really? Because I'm in love with Ziva. She's so hot. That I'm, I'm glad for you. Yeah. <laughs> I had a good Christmas too. My wife and I exchange gifts. We we don't buy each other gifts. We it's kind of a tradition we have. We we make a, a donation to a charity in the other person's name, and we you know try to kind of surprise each other with what that charity is every single year. The Starving you know, Podcasters on... of America. That would be nice. Run by GM Dave. That would be very nice, except you you are not starving. Nor am I, for that matter. Yeah, look at me. Yeah, look at me. Yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm right, there, right there with you, buddy. But, uh, yeah, not, not too worried about that. And, um, uh, yeah, we, we had, a, we had a, a really good holiday season. So um, it, was, it was nice to, to see family, which is always nice. I don't get to see my family as often as I'd like. Yeah, yeah. And that, that was the other thing. We had lots of family over, so it was fun. Cool. It was all good, man. It really was. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I got back from holiday, and um, 
you know, it was good to get home, but I went out and had this ton of mail waiting for me in my box. And um, stuck there in between a couple of uh, past due notices and, um, uh, you know, uh, subscription to my favorite porn sites was um, a postcard. Ah, yes. Ah, yes. Uh, this postcard, Gamer Nation, um, is, is recycled, um, natural looking, and it boasts a beautific scene of lush grasslands and a natural expanse unspoiled by any form of industrialization and large... Excuse me. Large palm trees dot the landscape with pristine mountains behind them. And the caption reads, Welcome to Surya, outsider. All technological devices are to be used to a minimal degree. Enjoy your stay, but remain inside the citadel. Please. From across the galaxy, it's time for postcards from Commander Cody. GM Dave and GM Chris. Hey, fellas. I write to you this week from the Mid-Rim and the Serian system. Not many travelers get a chance to come out here. This strange three-sun system is light years from any major hyperspace routes, and as I understand it, that's exactly how the native Serians like it. They're isolationists, you see. They never became members of the Old Republic and never sided with the blasted Separatists either, staying out of the war. The Serian people have an ingrained dislike of technological methods and equipment. Claiming that such glorious advancement pollutes their planet and its precious environment. Rubbish, if you ask me. Every visitor, or outsider, as the Serians call them, is not permitted to leave specially designed citadels on the planet's surface, where certain technology is allowed. This frustrates me to no end, because my men and I suffer the same limitation. Lord Vader's presence usually gets us anywhere we need to be, but legally, Saria isn't part of the Empire. <laughs> not yet, at least. If they don't learn to keep up with the rest of the galaxy, they may not have a choice in the matter. Saria itself is a beautiful and pristine world. The lush plains with sparse trees, tall mountain ranges, and clear oceans dot the planet, which has only a small percentage of its surface devoted to living area. Most of the planet is untouched by the native population, intentionally. And what they do touch, they do some type of benign agriculture on. Ah, ridiculous. We're here to investigate the possibility of trade with the Serene Council of Elders. A rare organic material grows here, and nowhere else in the galaxy, called Malium. I'm not sure what it's used for, but every crime lord, smuggler, and moth in the region has tried to get his hands on it. Now Lord Vader desires some. I'm not sure for what, but if I know all Black Helmet, it's for something important. Oh well. I'll best be off, guys. Lord Vader's meeting with the Elders shortly, and he'll need his honor guard. Later, guys. Long live the Empire! Your friend. Commander Cody. Thank you, Commander Cody, for another perfectly written postcard. Ah, it's good to hear from Cody. I like hearing from Cody, you know? Of course, we do every week, you know. I mean, the world would end if we didn't hear from Cody, right? Oh, you sound bitter. No, not really. I'm just no. here, you know. I'm just here hanging out, just trying to get through the day. <laughs> oh, is it sounds like it's so hard for you. Is it a chore? It is it is absolutely terrible. It's 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 horrible because I've I've heard from all my new friends that are really old friends in Philadelphia 
And not only are they demeaning me for other things I said on the podcast, but they're also saying bad things about the Dallas Cowboys. Well, okay, one, one, that first problem is your problem and it's your fault. <laughs> it's uh, not really two, my fault, but, you know. Uh, well, it's, your, it, it's, it's of your make, a problem of your make. It's my doing. It's your doing. Now, the second issue you, you brought up regarding the Dallas Cowboys um, – I don't really want to speak of it too terribly much, but, um, you know, I, I'm sorry. They've freaking deserved a loss. This was an awful season, and um, I don't know, just icing on the cake of shame, quite frankly. Icing on the cake of shame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure everyone's going to take a big bite. Everyone except Jerry Jones. He'll go on making stupid decisions, probably fire the coach, bring on somebody else. Yeah, that's right. Spend Jerry another $18 Jones. billion dollars on a new stadium, yeah. That's right, as he coats the butthole of the NFL. Pretty much. That's his job. He's an owner. Yep. That's the way Pretty it goes. Much. Eh, you know, so anyway. Hey, guess what? What? Fine, don't answer me. I'll just play the music like I care. Twenty docking bay hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. This edition of D20 Docking Bay brought to you by Audible.com. How about that? Woohoo! Thank you, Audible. That's right. Go <laughs> download your free audiobook at audio. Uh, all, uh, blah, 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 blah at audible.com and tell them that D20 Radio sent you. Yes. We would we, we would appreciate that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Elias Windrider has two uh, scum and villainy questions for you, fine sir. Let's what Elias Windrider has a question. Good lord. That's what is this world coming to? Oh my gosh. My god. Okay. You mean that man is an active participant in our community? Yeah, he is. What you is know. wrong? Yeah. So anyway, we're talking about equipment upgrades. So, Scum and Villainy, hit me with it. When using a dual gear upgrade from Scum and Villainy, and both items are ranged energy weapons, can you have them run off the same power source? For example, let's say you have a light repeating blaster. Your tech specialist. Um, oh, wait a second. Okay, never mind. You tech, but you tech spec to get um, a single shot, which uh, still lets you brace. He thinks. And you dual gear in an ion pistol. Okay. Both okay. the ion pistol and the light repeating blaster get 30 shots to a power pack. Could they run off the same power source? If they were running off one power pack, there would be 30 shots total. But if they hooked the light repeating blaster into a generator, then they wouldn't have to worry about running off the power, running out of power for the light repeating blaster or ion pistol. Or the ion pistol. Mm. Okay, Elias, um, the book is fairly silent on the issue, but I, I'm going to give you my interpretation, then I'll tell you why. Nine times out of ten, I'm going to say no. All right, You need separate, proper power sources for each combined item. Why? Because the upgrade doesn't read as creating a unique weapon with the properties of two. It simply is literally combining two things, and the individual properties of each, including individual power requirements, should remain. And if I have the ability to roll well enough and add this upgrade in a few minutes, or strip it off in a few minutes, then this is the way it has to be. Um, just for 
sense its sake. And furthermore, if you start allowing this, it becomes a slippery slope. You get crap like your example above, where someone creatively bends the rules to provide infinite power to an ion pistol, something not supposed to be hooked up to a generator in the first place. Okay, so, so what, if I, uh, what if I dual gear a lightsaber? And a pistol. Okay, well, the lightsaber's power source never runs out. So my pistol, which shares that power source now, should have infinite shots, right? Okay, so see what I mean? I mean, for all these reasons, allowing dual gear to run off one power source is a house rule in my book. Doesn't mean it's not a cool house rule, but that is your GM's call to make. And he or she needs to think carefully about what they'll allow to avoid munchkinism. Okay, question dos. I was wondering, instead of stripping the stun setting, could you strip the lethal setting to gain an upgrade slot? For example, take a heavy blaster pistol, strip the lethal setting, strip the range, miniaturize three times, and apply the Bothan weapon template from KOTOR, and you have one very concealable and effective stunning weapon with 50 shots, but you have to be within six squares to use it. Wait, so you want to strip lethal and strip the range? Okay. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, all right. This is an interesting suggestion, Elias. But the book does clearly lay out what you can strip and what you can't. Thus, per raw, it would not be allowed. But if you're asking if this is a valid house rule, eh, I might allow it. But if you're limiting it to stun, there is no way I would let you then strip the range, okay? That's something for nothing, immediately off the bat. Clear rules abuse. And you yourself provide the exact broke-tastic example of why I shouldn't allow it with your, you know, boffin little stunner thing. Bottom line, if, if one of my players comes to me and says, hey, can I do this? It, it'll let me make the most broken combo. Then my answer is going to be capital H, hell no. And, um, you know, eh, eh, as far as, so basically bottom line, is it raw? No. Is it a cool house rule? Yes, but I sure as hell wouldn't let you strip the range. So that's pretty much where I stand on that. Yep. Okay. Seiko says that he loves upgrade sluts. <laughs> They're much better quality. Yes, thank you, Seikos. Good to have you back on the forums, by the way. Your um, uh, couth repartee was was certainly missed. <laughs> of course. Okay. Of course. We Moving love you, on. buddy. Moving on. The dot, the GM. Oh. Has this question. Something that's been confusing me for a while may come up in my next session, so I could use some help. Okay. Auto fire and starship scale. In in uh, Starships of the Galaxy, page 19, it states that burst fire is, in fact, the only time auto-fire uh, auto attacks are useful in Starship-scale combat. Now, I am on Spice. Am I on Spice? Or do I recall GM Chris or someone on this cast suggesting a character in an auto-fire-capable turret hosing the zone in Starship-scale... And making an auto-fire attack on one square to deal at least half damage to a ship in that square. So can you really do that? Can you target a square in Starship-scale combat with an auto-fire weapon and at least deal half damage, assuming no vehicle evasion to the ship in that square? Hmm? Huh? What? Answer me now. Don't wait for the translation. Well, that's, that's a good question, Darth. Um... I looked at it, and I think the comment on page 19 is another example of a bit of fluff text that is very flavorful. But nowhere in the core rulebook, Starships of the Galaxy, the Erratas, or any dev ruling that I can find, does it say that autofire deviates from what is laid down in the core rules when in Starship-scale combat. The only noted adjustment is that autofire only targets a single ship when in Starship-scale, and that's it. Okay. 
as such, I mean, auto fire should work just like it does elsewhere in all other respects, meaning that you can, as you put it, hose a ship. Uh, you hit a reflex defense of 10 and you cause half damage. Now, bear in mind, okay, with the minimal distances that you have in starship scale and corresponding massive distance penalties that most shooters are going to take unless you're right on somebody, and the disgusting minus 20 penalty a capital ship takes when going after smaller targets, even hitting a reflex defense of 10 might be a rather hard task. But, okay, just take a look at all the starship stat blocks, okay? All their attack stats. Any ship with auto-fire weapons lists an auto-fire attack as a separate entry, even if the crew doesn't have access to burst fire. So, yeah, should be perfectly valid. Good. So, we have the green 10 lantern. I think it's green X lantern. Oh, okay. Sorry, I'm in Roman numeral mode here this evening on the Order 66 podcast. That's okay. Promise me next week you'll be in Cyrillic mode. I'll be fine with that then. Or maybe maybe runic, Norwegian mode. Icelandic. No problem, man. What's hey, what's what's uh is it uh hmm. I don't remember what uh what uh, is it L that's uh fifty in Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. So the order sixty six we could be like L X V I I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I have no order L X V I. It just doesn't have the same ring to it, you know? Not quite, no. Yeah, I don't think so either. Okay, quick question from Green X Lantern. Okay. Did I miss somewhere that if you were trained in piloting, you could fire the pilot's weapons without the minus five penalty if you're not proficient in heavy weapons? Or am I thinking about the plus two that you get if you're trained? Okay. Uh, Lantern, it's not pilot training that negates the penalty for pilot weapons. Well, you're probably thinking of the feat vehicular combat. Uh, page 89 of the core rulebook, vehicular combat, which of course everyone takes it the most, you know, we all think of it as that feat that, oh wow, once around you can make a pilot check to negate an attack against you. It has a secondary benefit listed on the feat as well that grants you proficiency with any pilot operated vehicle weapons if you're the one piloting the vehicle. And that's very important. Only pilot-operated vehicle weapons. Uh, the stat block for each ship identifies exactly which weapons on a ship are fired by a pilot or a gunner or both. So you have to be piloting and firing that pilot-controlled weapon. Um, and of course, as you mentioned, uh, page 171 of the core rulebook also clarifies that a pilot trained in the pilot skill gets a plus two bonus on attack rolls made with vehicle weapons that are identified as being crewed by the pilot. So, if you're a pilot who's trained in the pilot skill, and you have vehicular combat, you gain proficiency with weapons you control whilst at the helm, and a plus two to attack with them. And folks want to come on my forums and whine that the ace pilot don't have a full base attack bonus. Sheesh. Here's a little cheese to go with that. Sheesh. So, hope that answers your question, Green Excellent. Thank you very much. There you go. Okay, so, we have a new listener, Farbooty. Far booty. far booty? That's awesome. It's a far booty. <laughs> it's, oh, yes, thank you. Yes, you, you you enjoy the far booties, especially the ones that live in Philadelphia. It's, I never said that. But oh, ha! Never said that, and she listens to the show, apparently, or doesn't. Oh, well, she doesn't, okay. Well, I mean no, I mean no disrespect. I don't mean any disrespect to those beautiful blue eyes. Anyway... All right, so one of our new guys, Farbuti, Farbouti, I don't know how to say his name, has a question he put up for our podcast. 
Here's okay. my problem, he says. A soldier PC in my group with a feet far shot wanted to throw some... some a soldier PC in my group with the feet far shot wanted to throw some grenades recently. <laughs> I tell you what, I have that thought every day of the week. Uh, yes, I feel like uh, throwing some grenades using far shot, which is really kind of bizarre. <laughs> the feet description says when using ranged weapons, the range category is considered one less. Grenades are obviously ranged weapons, but the feet's name contains shot, and the flavor text says you are better at shooting distant foes. During the heat of the game session, I ruled that Farshot works on grenades too, but now I'm not so sure about that. What do you think? I think yeah. he's thinking too much of it, but go ahead. Uh, I, I, you, you are very much correct, sir. Well, first off, Farbuti, uh, welcome to the Gamer Nation. Uh, now, as to your question, uh, you, uh, you ruled correctly, man. I mean, again, we have an instance where fluffed text clouds the intent and function of the rules. It's just fluff. Don't overthink <laughs> it. You made the right call. You can use Farshot with any ranged weapon, including grenades. This has been clarified by the devs and is chronicled in Raving Dork's officially maintained FAQ on Gleemax. That's right. Because that's the way we roll here on our 66 podcast with your Sahachi Saji station. What is it? Tachi station drive through speeder blaster parts whatever thing that we was need, we need to find we need to find that and play it again because it was awesome dude that was that was really really funny that, that's your job when i answer the next question is to find that so we can play it again oh my gosh dude <laughs> you're not asking for much are you hey what can i say i'd have that much faith in you Oh, Lord. Awesome. All right. Well, well anyway, uh, Farbuti, I hope that answers your question. So thank you very much. I'll yeah. see what I can do while we're doing this next question here. Okay. Yeah. Strider, this is the last question that we have, so I don't have a whole lot of time to find this. Okay, okay. Strider has this quandary. He says, sorry if it's already been asked, but would you be given a DSP, that's dark side point for all you people who are scoring at home, for using Battle Strike? In the core, it says that if the force is used to cause harm, the GM should consider awarding a DSP. But at the same time, you're not targeting another being with Battle Strike, just yourself. Mm. Oh, dear, Strider. Um, oh, dear. Oh, dear. Don't. You don't know, that's funny bird. looking in a general kind of way, you know. It's, oh, yeah, thank, oh, yeah, don't you know. Uh, don't, dude, don't burden your player struggling with the curse of battle strike with also getting a dsp okay i mean okay dave you know what i'm talking about with the curse of battle strike it, it always works this way and, and anyone yeah. who's played this game for a while will tell you you get battle strike you spend the action to use it you roll your use the force check and you roll like a natural 20 okay oh my god max thing oh god battle strike is charged it's incredible you go up and you make the attack and you roll a one it's just the curse of Battle Strike. It's how it is. But look, in answer to your question, Strider, bottom line, uh, unless the book specifically says that there, the mere use of a power garners a DSP, then mere use of the power doesn't. Okay, but as you sagely put it, you know, you are using the force. You know, when when you use the force to cause harm, a GM should consider that. Well, that's the thing. Consider it. It's the GM's call. I mean, look, look for for me. Using Battle Strike will not garner you a DSP, but the action that you used it for very well might, and that's the difference. It's the action, not the power. Right? 
you know, if, if it's one of you know, and then again, if I didn't use Battle Strike, the action's still probably going to garner me a DSP at that point. Right. Um, so again, uh, it's the action, not the power, unless that power has that pesky dark side descriptor after it. Um, other than that, that's pretty much the only time. I mean, as far as raw goes. That's right. It's the intent that matters. It's yes. better to give than to receive. So it's the intent and the action as well. Another thing too, and we have this conversation before. It was a couple podcasts ago. You know, it's not so much intent, but it's the action. The the force doesn't care what your intention was or whether or not you think this was good. And it cracks me up. I've had players that have tried to talk their way out of dark side points. You know, seriously, philosophically debating either their actions. The more they talk, the more they deserve it. Yeah, yes, of course. But but ultimately it's you know what you can it doesn't well this is what my character believes. Well, okay, that doesn't really matter. The force doesn't care what your character believes. The force in this universe is there's there's black and there's white. There's right and wrong, and that line is drawn by the GM, and that's part of their job. So, it's interesting, but that's kind of how it goes. Yep. So. So there you go. Well, thank you very much for the questions, guys. And uh, if you guys have any more questions that you want to ask uh, the Order 66 podcast and uh, shoot off to the D20 Docking Bay, you can, of course, get to the forums at d20radio.com slash forum. Find our thread right in the Order 66 board uh, for D20 Docking Bay, and you can post up your question. You can also email us, again, gmchris at d20radio.com, gmdave at d20radio.com, or you can, of course, phone it in. We haven't had a phone-in question in forever. I know. You guys have phones, don't you? Maybe? Yes. You should. Maybe. Yeah, you should. What's the, just in case they missed it, what's the uh, what's the phone number to call? Area code two zero six six hundred five eight seven two or L U S A. Usa. Usa. Yep. And I have a present for you right now. Welcome to Tasha Station's twenty four hour fly through pond and blaster speeder parts cybernetic adult gift bounty hunter discount Jedi outlet. We got lightsabers, pod racers, power droids, tie fighters, body armor, blue milk, power converters, chance cubes, slave girls, slave boys, womp rat on a stick, Jedi robes, Wookiee musk, Ewok calls, nineteen runs, collectible commemorative Kessel run plates. You want it? We got it right here at Tashi Station's twenty four hour fly through pond and blaster speeder parts cybernetic adult gift bounty hunter jet discount Jedi outlet. Tashi, Tashi, what a rebel boy needs. Just outside of Anchorhead on Tatooine, off the Corellian run. <laughs> Thank you. That made my evening. The true greatness of that just <laughs> deserved to be played again and again. It does. That's full-on gamer, if I'm not mistaken. It was full-on gamer. Yes, indeed. Very nice. Um, okay, so here we have a new segment that we are going to call, or we're not going to call it, they're going to call it, a segment called Fragments from the Rim. Now, I, w- I, want, to, I want to preamble this before you play this, man. This, this is really cool. We, we got contacted by these two guys who wanted to do a segment for the show, a small segment. We have a lot of listeners that contribute stuff, but a lot of what's contributed is very fun, it's very fluffy, and they really wanted to do something crunchy. Right. Um, and, and they've taken it upon themselves to, to do this little you know five, six-minute segment, and it's fantastic. Absolutely. And this is awesome. This and is uh, Dr. Van Doren, as I'll call him on our forums, or Alex Van D, right? Yeah. And yeah, his name is Alex and his bud uh, Trevor that put these together. And there are, I'm going to run two segments of what they sent us back to back. It's going to take about nine minutes. So um, we, will, we will see you back on the other side of this. And just have a listen and see what it is that they are going to do. So, you know, without further ado, we'll just go ahead and start it on up. 
Maybe. Welcome, Jedi Masters, to Fragments from the Rim. How may we be of service to you today? So I'm Alex. About 20 years ago, I walked into a gaming store. Uh, someone had mentioned that there was a Robotech game out there, and, and I was really into Robotech at the time, and I walked into that game store, but fate intervened. I just happened to wander by the used book section, and I found two books for $10 a piece. The Star Wars role-playing game from West End Games, the first edition, and the source book to go with it. And the rest, they say, is history. I've owned and played every single Star Wars RPG game that has existed since then, plus a few other role-playing games and other games thrown in the way. Uh, West End Games always has had a special place in my heart, but I've got to tell you that the saga rules are absolutely number one for me right now. Uh, my friends and I started dabbling with the rules about six months ago, and we managed to convert our main group to saga uh, about two months ago, and we're running a campaign t uh, in that right now. We don't have tons of experience with the system, but uh, we've got a good bit of Star Wars and gaming experience to, to go along with us. And, and with me right now is my good friend and gaming buddy, Trevor, who will let him introduce himself now. Hello, folks. Uh, basically, uh, I got into role-playing um, 27 years ago this month. Um, I know that as a fact because in grade 6, my grade 6 teacher bought me the red D&D basic set as a Christmas gift to the class, and I became its caretaker with the understanding that I would learn the rules and teach them to everybody who wanted to learn. Um, I've played every version of D&D uh, since, uh, barring version 4. Um, I've played lots of other games. Um, I've been a sci-fi geek, comic geek, you know, for longer than I've been a role-playing geek. Um, this is my first foray into Star Wars role-playing games. Um, I tried a little bit with the revised core edition, uh, but primarily... Um, Alex really converted me over to the uh, Saga Edition, and my son being 11, and he's in on it as well, so I'm game mastering uh, on alternating weeks a um, Dawn of Defiance uh, campaign with my son and a friend of his from school and a friend of mine from work. So why don't you tell them why we're here, Alex? Well, one of the things that we really enjoy is listening to the Order 66 podcast. And we thought we'd try to add our, our two cents, uh, share a little of our opinion here in this segment that we've chosen to call the Fragments from the Rim, uh, share some of our experience with gaming, uh, specifically with the Saga system, focusing especially on some of the crunch parts of the game. And we're also trying to force ourselves to learn more about the game, because as we're doing this, we're having to read the books really closely and dig into some of the newer rules and try to understand them better, because uh, we're really enjoying the system, but we've got a lot to learn. And both Alex and I have a, a, a GM perspective and a player perspective, uh, as far as role-playing in general. Alex is a lot more heavily on the GM side for Saga Edition, and I'm more on the player side for Saga Edition. So I think this gives us, between the 45 years of combined experience and... Um, you know, both sides of the table. I think we've got a, a good ability to give everybody what they need to know. So, um, hopefully in the coming weeks, uh, GM Dave and GM Chris will grace you with our lovely presence. And um, in the event that you have questions, comments, concerns, rants, uh, any sort of communication you want to send to Alex and I, you can send those to order66 underscore fragments at rogers.com. 
And we'll try to respond to everybody, but if we don't get to you, bear in mind, between us, we have like six and a half children and uh, four full-time jobs. Thank you, Masters, for visiting Fragments from the Rim. I wonder if the six and a half children counts themselves. Probably. I don't know. <laughs> All right, so their first uh, the first effort revolves around, what did I say, force readiness, I think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, they, they basically want to introduce themselves, but kind of did that. But then they actually sent us the first, I guess, you know, fragment from the rim. And um, but yeah, it's really cool. I think I think they're gonna. This is a, a kind of a feat discussion uh, followed by a little else. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So we'll take a listen. Welcome, Jedi Masters, to Fragments from the Rim. How may we be of service to you today? Hi, this is Alex and Trevor, and this is segment one of Fragments of the, from the Rim. This time, I've chosen to look at a feat from the KOTOR book entitled Force Readiness, which you'll find on page 33 of your book. Uh, this allows you to spend force points as a free action, even if it's not your turn. Now, when I first read this, I thought it was a completely useless feat. But that's because we were playing the game wrong. You see, we had not realized that you cannot spend force points to increase your attacks or skill checks when it's not your turn. So. That was how we actually discovered that the game was being played incorrectly. And what we've discovered so far in the game, that this is extremely useful for a Jedi to have, especially when in the campaign that I'm running, which is a very force-heavy campaign with, in which many encounters include uh, some kind of bad guy who's capable of using force powers, it's very useful for rebuke, especially. Uh, because the opposing force user will spend a force point to increase their die roll to get past your rebuke, and then you can't respond. The other place that it's, it's also can be quite useful is with deflect and block. So this is a particular feat that we've found to be quite useful for Jedi-type characters. And that's my fragment for this segment. Over to you, Trevor. This time, I've decided to go with a very broad topic, and the broad topic is i found that with every generation of a game, there comes a point when there's too many books or too many options available for the GM to properly handle the table. I found this in 2nd edition D&D when they brought out all the, all the books where they had uh, kits for role-playing classes. I found in 3rd and 3.5 edition this happened with all of the uh, splat books and all the extra spell books and magic item books and options and things like that. I'm finding that Star Wars has just gotten to the point now where we might see this as being a problem for a GM to handle. We currently have the core rulebook, the KOTOR book, the Force Unleashed book, the Scum and Villainy, which is a great source of crunch in rules, and the Starships of the Galaxy, which is a huge component for anybody who wants to run a space combat or space faring adventure. We're soon to have the Clone Wars campaign guide, and my concern is, at my table, that people are going to try to draw from all these various books. And it's not going to be manageable on my level. And what I suggest to the average game master out there is that what you need to do is sort of say, as per a house rule I've adopted, whatever era you're in, the only books that are available to you are the core book and the campaign book of that era. And as far as books that are non-campaign specific, such as Scum and Villainy and, and uh, Starships of the Galaxy, you... As a GM, you can pick and choose those things that are relevant or not relevant or allowed or not allowed. The reason I suggest this is because unless you, A, own all these books, which can't be guaranteed, 
B, really, really understand these books and clearly understand them. And, or C, have a character who, or a player who's not willing to bend everything. If you don't have all three of those things, you're going to run into insurmountable game mastering problems where something doesn't work right because the mechanics are conflicting. A lot of things, if you picked and chose from the various books, you could create a min-max nightmare. And this is what you don't want as a game master. You don't want to have to create challenges that are made for characters that just shouldn't exist. So my suggestion to you is don't be afraid to say no. Or the infamous not right now. When you start a game... Start with a clear understanding of what books you're going to have at the table, what's allowed, what's not allowed. And if somebody wants to bring something in, you have a discussion with them offline to discuss what's valid or not valid. The only thing that I think you could draw from from all of the books is the species, because Star Wars is a huge galaxy and species have been around forever, except for the odd species that only exist in a certain campaign because of either they haven't been discovered, such as the Ewoks, or they've, you know, faded into obscurity, such as the Ricotta. So, I believe we're done, right, Alex? Sounds good. So, until next time, everybody have fun gaming. Thank you, Masters, for visiting Fragments from the Rim. Nice. <laughs> well, thank you, Alex Trev. Man, that was very, very cool. Look forward to future segments. Um, if you guys are going to discuss feats, I think that is totally awesome. And you know what? I, I, Craig and I was listening to them, Dave. They'd say, you know, that they they're learning so much more about the game by writing that writing these little segments. Yeah. It, doing this podcast, <laughs> it kind of makes you an expert. Uh, it is, you just you, you there's no way to avoid it. I mean, you you're forced to. That's, just learn uh, every single rule in every book through osmosis, and even then, you don't know everything. It's it's, it's a uh, it's a minor thing that I like to call sudden expertism. <laughs> That's what, is that is that a disease? Is it a clinical condition? Have you have you classified? It? I'm you know I'm not entirely sure. I um, is it in the DSM four? Is it? I, I think I'm not sure. I'm I'm just uh, let me uh, let me consult my beverage, and I'll tell you later. Oh, you got a beverage. Mm-hmm. What what is what is in this fine beverage? Uh, I just threw together some. Uh, well, it's what I was drinking the other night. No, it, it's not actually. This is Hawaiian Punch Triple Sec and uh, pineapple rum. <laughs> God, it's kind damn. of like a poor man's mai tai. Are you a woman? I'm. <laughs> you know, you know me with my stomach condition. I cannot do beer or anything know, carbonated. I know, I know, I know. I myself am currently drinking Mothership Wit Organic Wheat Beer, uh, New Belgium. Fantastic. Ah. Fort Collins, Colorado. Fort wonderful, Collins. wonderful wheat beer. Beautiful. Wonderful. Great. Absolutely fantastic. But no, great segment, guys. Thank you very much. And, um, you know, it, it, it also cracks me up. You know, one of the things, back when we had, God, oh, nine months ago, when we had Rodney Thompson on for episode 12, he made a comment that that really stuck with me. It was uh, no no system survives contact with the player base, right? No, no matter what, right? And Alex and Trevor were talking about you know that you, you're reaching a point eventually with any system where you're going to have so many books out there that you're going to have conflicting rules and you're going to have broken characters unless the GM is willing to to take that ability into their hands. Right. And I think that's kind of you know part of the point. So some some excellent advice from some ex- experienced gamers. So thank you, gentlemen. And uh, again, if you guys have anything that you want to bring to the show and share with the rest of the Gamer Nation, let us know. That's right, brother man. 
Well, if you think you can get through your uh, uh, alcohol-induced uh, state, which is just beginning, perhaps you can share with us um, uh, the little little item that is so freaking cool that, that you brought back um, from... Uh, well, I, wait, 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 did you go before Christmas or after? I didn't know if you... No, actually, I went on Christmas Day because I was bored. Oh. I didn't know. So water was open on Christmas Day? Well, I guess he would be. Yeah, they don't celebrate Christmas on Tatooine. No, well, no. What well, he is, Toydarian, but you know, I, I, they have Life Day, I guess. I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do celebrate Festivus, though. He had the Festivus pole up. <laughs> which, uh, which, as I have have now found out, somebody told me is actually celebrated on December twenty third. Yes. So. Well, you know, the Tatooine calendar's messed up. That's why they, did. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but you know. They uh, they had a weird thing on the Tatooine calendar that said the world was going to end in 2012 and it never did and you know it's, it was a long long time ago for them so you know I, it's just a it's just a you know I don't know man creepy it's all that no, no it's all that uh, Nordstrom Dorcas or whatever his name is creepy mm. what do you say we go to Watto's do it. This is Watto for Watto's Bargain Basement, and I want you to come on down to Tatooine this week for our big special sale. Tell them Java sent you and you get a free chance cube. We got the deals for you. Come on down to Watto's Bargain Basement. What do you know? (laughs) Fiddleback is uh, saying that my new name is going to be Wookie Boots from the the Holocron. And I, I, I went ahead and shared with the Gamer Nation that my uh, Wookiee, uh, hopefully a player race of Wookiee, is, is going to come out in the uh, the Old Republic. And, of course, being the leader of what I think will be one of the biggest guilds in the game, I figure that my character's name should be Baraka Baka. Oh, my God. <laughs> hey. You're laying out on me. Is that because you don't approve? No, it's because I am, have a mixture of humor, shock, fear, admiration, and outrage. <laughs> and interestingly enough, it's all gone now. <laughs> anyway, so, back tell me to what the you original. got. Tell me what you got from Watto's, man. Yes. Okay. You recall? Oh, do you recall the most dangerous bounty hunter of all? Ooh, ooh it, it's 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 Jango Fett. It's, it's Jango Fett, right? Right? No. Z- uh, oh no! Okay, it's it's Zam Weasel. No, Greedo. It's Boba, the armor-clad bounty hunter. Had a very messed up suit of armor. Oh, Boba! Fett, yeah, he yeah, he's okay, I guess. Yep. Yeah. And if you ever saw him, then he'd. Get you with his snare rifle right there and there and there and there. Turn the oh, way back like, machine. Like, uh, like like all Luke in in, in Return of the Jedi, like Turn, all the sail yep. bars, you know. Set the way back machine for Return of the Jedi over the Sarlacc pit. Uh, and that thing that he shoots out of his arm. And like, you know, Luke's got to tie him up, right? You know, and he's got that little what you doodle thing that they call a lightsaber. 
that he has to. Oh yeah, yeah, the what you doodle, yeah, yeah. He deflects this and deflects that and hits one in the ground. Anyway, anyway, it's the snare rifle. You know, sometimes you just have to immobilize someone who's alive from a far distance. This thing's in scum and villainy, right? I believe so. Excellent. Anyway, this fires a weighted cord at the target, allowing you to initiate a grab or grapple from distance. Okay? It requires DC 15 acrobatics or DC 20 strength check to break free. That's not bad. No. Here's what is bad. It's a little expensive at 1,200 credits. Yeah. 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 And it's licensed, you know, so it's not too terribly bad, I guess, for... Our license license is good. Yeah, it's not bad. But here's the cool thing. The range is that of a rifle. Oh. Dang. So this thing can shoot that little thing out hundreds of squares? Uh, A long way. Well, that's worth 1,200 credits. Mm Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it is, isn't it? So... Anyway, if you hit, you deal uh, 1d6 of stun damage. But if you have a trip or feet, a trip or pin, you know, you can utilize that. You can trip or pin the target if you have the feet. Wow. That's so, freaking cool. That's not, uh, you know, it's not too horrible at all. You know, you know what I think I'm going to do with my next character? I think I'm going to take that and I think I'm going to miniaturize it and then I'm going to integrate it into his suit of armor. I don't think that's been done before. I don't think it's ever been done before until you watch uh, Return of the Jedi. Oh, well, okay. When he sticks out his right arm and goes... Dave, you, you know I don't watch the Star Wars movies. Yeah. I really, I don't, I, don't, I don't care about them. I don't Scott. watch them either. You know, I've never watched them in my life. You know, I'm, I'm just, you know, posing. That's all it is. I just don't know why there's no handrails on the Death Star. Or anywhere, for that matter. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. So anyway. <laughs> so what shall we talk about, Sir? We're already 53 minutes into the podcast, and we haven't even really done anything. This is going to be a long show. <laughs> well, not that long. We have had a listener request that I think is a good one, and it comes from none other than my wife, TG, um, who emailed me um, for the first time ever uh, asking for a request to be discussed on the podcast. And she did it a little while ago, and uh, I think I'm finally going to get around to talking about it, because I think it's a good topic. Um, But in her email, which I still have, uh, she said, hey, uh, I want to know more about multi-classing. The process of multi-classing I get, sure, but more importantly, I get confused as to when I should multi-class. What benefits would certain class combos grant? What would they represent in game terms, in role-playing terms, what would they represent? Any discussion of this would be great. Thank you, baby, and I love you. See, it's my wife. There you go. Really? Yes. So, I thought, you know, my, my wife uh, has played Star Wars, you know, gosh, since I started playing it. Um, but she's kind of a role-playing noob. She's only been role-playing for probably about mm, three years. Our group. And, um, uh, you know, so she's, you know, she's, she's no, no noob uh, in a total sense of the word. But, you know, she always asks very good questions. Yeah. So, this is a good one. So, 
And in this particular one, she's talking my language. Um, and this suggestion struck me. I thought it would make an excellent topic for this week, um, kind of exploring the process of multi-classing, which honestly, Dave, it can be a tad confusing for the uninitiated or for the new player. Sure. Um, just, just the mere process. And as well as taking the time to look at multi-classing archetypes and some great benefits that your builds can get from levels in one class or the other, as well as pratfalls you might want to avoid. Now, we are not going to talk about every possible class combination, but certainly some that are above par Ooh. or deserve a closer look. Well, we'd be here till Christmas 2012, wouldn't we? We would. We certainly would. So, well, let's get to it, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Multi-class mathematics, which is almost what it is. Not really. Um, okay. For starters, let's review the basic process of multi-class leveling as it differs a little bit from straight class leveling. Open to page 54 of your core rulebook, younglings. Pull it up. Open it. Do it. Page 54. Um, Do it. So, you've got levels in one class, and all of a sudden you decide to take a level in another class. Well, what? Do you do? Well, uh, hit points. First thing you do when you level, hit points are calculated just as normal. But you roll the hit die of the class that you are taking a level in for that particular level. Right. Easy peasy. Rice and cheesy. Easy peasy. Next. Yep. Any. Okay, go ahead. Oh, yes. No, yes. Next, next on the list, base attack bonus. Ah, the bad. Now, s some addition will be required here, but not too terribly much. Instead <laughs> of just using the base attack bonus on your class's table that corresponds with your level, you're going to take the base attack bonuses for each of your classes, and you're going to add them. So if I'm a level 2 Jedi, level 2 Noble, my base attack bonus should total plus 3. Make sense? Yep. Right-o. Right-o. Not too terribly hard. Defenses. Now, this is often a commonly mistaken process, and this is a question that we have answered no less than twice on this very podcast. Each of your classes oh, yeah. grants class bonuses to certain defenses. Okay, for example, a soldier gets, of course, his plus two to fortitude defense, plus one to reflex defense. A Jedi gets plus one to all three defenses. When multi-classing, if you have multiple class bonuses to the same defense, you do not add these bonuses together. They simply overlap, and you use the highest bonus available for each defense. So to give you an example, in the case of a Soldier 1, Scout 1, he would have a plus 2 to both Fortitude and Reflex defenses. And that's right. it. Right. Another common mistake people make when they do multi-class leveling. Starting feats. Oh, now, when Lord, took, yes. Yeah, it comes and it goes. But, okay, w when you took Easy your very come. first Easy level, go. you got a little plethora of starting feats, anywhere from three to five, okay, depending on what class you took your first level in. Now, unlike your first level, when you're multi-classing into a brand new class, you do not get every listed starting feat for free. What? You, you, you don't? You do not. Oh, you don't. That's it. I, I quit. I'm, I'm not playing the game anymore. Well, that's your call, dude. However, Dave, you do get to pick one feat from that list as a bonus feat, and you get to add it to your repertoire. So if I'm a scoundrel multi-classing into soldier, I will have to choose from armor, armor proficiency or rifle proficiency. Um, I, I won't get all of them, no. but I, you know, I get one, and that's neat. All right. Uh, next, skills. Now, when you multi-class and you know, take a first level in a brand new class, you do not get the opportunity to train in new skills just by virtue of multi-classing. But when you multi-class, your class skill list expands to encompass the class skills of the new class. So at that point, if you later on pick up skill training or your intelligence modifier increases, then you can train in any skill on your class list, which now encompasses 
the lists from all of your class levels. Right. Makes sense? Yeah. Okay. Makes so uh, it's, it's, it's very interesting. You find situations where uh, the most common one I find frequently in this regard is you have people that have taken levels in soldier and they want to go bounty hunter and all of a sudden realize that they, they, need, they need to be trained in survival. Yeah. And it's one of those things, you know, like you say, a scout, a scout is the only one that, allow, that it has survival as a class skill. So, oh, crap, I've got to take a level of scout so I can get this on my class list. But yep. that's not enough. You still need to waste a feat on skill training just to get trained in it. Right. So, you know, people need to think about this sort of stuff. Yes, absolutely. So, there you go. Um, the other two things to mention when multi-classing, as far as the mechanics go, character increases remain the same. Regardless of your level makeup, whether you have four levels and four different classes or two and two or three and one or whatever, you are still going to receive a character feat at first level, third level, and then every three levels thereafter. And of course, two ability score increases every four levels. All right. Other than that, um, just follow the class charts for your respective levels to determine when you get talents and when you get feats. And if you get one, you must choose from a talent or bonus feat available to the class you are leveling in at that moment. Yep. So, there you are. Now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about some class combinations, Dave. Ah, uh, yes, of course. The noble soldier scout crime lord. Yes, potentially. But <laughs> go, go a little simpler than that. We'll start, we'll start low with some, some, some basic, you know, just core classes and ah. uh, sort of combining them together there. Jedi and we're going to start. Something. <laughs> we're going to start with Jedi. Uh, Calling this one uh, hokey religions and ancient weaponry. So, um, so okay, Dave, you're you're a Jedi and you're looking to multi-class. Okay, now what? Okay. what are you going to multi-class into? Well, let's see. Um, that's just going to depend on what I do want to do with my character, you know. Exactly. So, let's take a look at the different classes and see where they can take you with their character. Okay. First and foremost, noble. All right, fantastic choice if you want to create a true Jedi consular. A uh, negotiator, a diplomat, all right? Someone who represents the order in galactic affairs, okay? Right. Multi-class to noble. Your skill list increases. You get access to persuasion, gather info, deception, and treat injury as class skills, as well as access to bolster ally and the other inspiration talents, which would make you a true consular, um, also allowing you to nab either pistol proficiency, which is never a bad thing for a character that is often without a ranged weapon, or linguist um, which is also incredibly useful for a counselor. Um, and you have a plus two to your will defense. Spiffy. But if you really want to go this Jedi counselor route, Dave, I would say it's almost better to start as a noble for at least one level and then go Jedi. Because of the mad skills that you get as a noble. Yeah, it's pretty freaking cool. That's right, um, and you can take the wealth yeah, talent. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. but we'll, we'll, we'll discuss that when we talk about uh, multi-classing from noble. You get lots of money as a Jedi. Because they need some money. To the dark side. Thank you, Dooku. So, okay, so you're a Jedi. Let's say you want to multi-class into a soldier. All right, now this is a perfect option if you want to become a Jedi guardian. Get right? that green lightsaber. No, that's consular. Oh, thought it was blue. No, blue lightsaber is the guardian. That's what I said. Blue lightsaber. Blue lightsaber. Oh, oh, okay. Forgive me. I, I must have misheard you. Mm. Perhaps I misspoke. <laughs> perhaps you did. Or perhaps we are living in an alternate universe. We're in another dimension, a dimension of sight and sound. Uh, I prefer to go with Bizarro World. 
Okay. Very interesting. Whatever you say, Dooku. No, yeah, you're right. That wasn't Dooku. That wasn't anywhere close to Dooku. I was just Dave's super stupid voice. But that's okay. Dooku that's okay. sounded yeah. much more. I don't Christopher know. Lee is hard to do, to be quite frank. It's not like Christopher Walken. Christopher Lee is very hard to do. Yeah, Christ- so. <laughs> Christopher Walken. Would you imagine a Christopher Walken Jedi? <laughs> you must be one with the living force, you know. Uh, it's it's wonderful, you know. Uh, more what do you cowbell. mean? You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon. The Millennium Falcon? Did, did the Kessel Run in six parsecs. Uh. What's that mean? A parsec is a unit of distance. I, I, I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, back to the discussion at hand. Darth Sauron for the win. That's great, right Darth there. Darth Sauron <laughs> for the win. That's that's fantastic. Thank you. Yes. For he wield his lightsaber from that tower. <laughs> All right. So you want to be a Jedi Guardian? You want to wield that blue lightsaber and slice people up? Be a master of the martial arts? Well, a soldier is a wonderful way to multi-class into that. Um, pick up pistol or, or rifle proficiency is very nice. Um, but then again, you know what? It doesn't really much fit that Jedi motif. Um, however, armor proficiency is wonderful for certain builds. And your talents that you're going to get from multi-classing into soldier can be the armor talents as well. And then you can be Obi-Wan during the Clone Wars with that spiffy clone armor on. Mm, very, oh, yeah. very cosmopolitan. Oh, yeah. And keep in mind, folks, you know, if you take those, uh, you know, one or two of those talents now or the proficiency, when you get to Jedi Knight, Jedi Knight uh, can, uh, as part of their talents, uh, they can take the, the armor specialist talent tree. That's right. From, uh, it's very interesting. So there you go. So, yeah, uh, you know you want it. And for, for, the, for the lightsaber master slash Jedi commando, um, you know, heck, it doesn't get much better than the weapon specialist talent tree for your lightsaber, okay? All of them. I mean, devastating attack, you know, penetrating attack, all of it, okay? Uh, harm's Way, wonderful talent, and it makes you the perfect bodyguard, which was a very common occupation yep. for a Jedi Guardian. Now you can use block and deflect, uh, you know, to, to save an adjacent target without having to spend a force point. That's right. Nice. Um, now, indomitable and tough as nails do look tempting, but you are a force user, my friend. And equilibrium and the force trance application of use the force are much better buys for your buck, in my opinion. Ah, uh, yes, the bang to hype ratio much better. Much better, much, 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 much better. Yeah. Okay. And the last thing to really look at with uh, Jedi multiclassing into stuff would be scoundrel. Mm. And I really mention this as kind of a meh. Um, kind of a, a really weak Jedi Sentinel, which is sort of the, you know, the the shadow, the the spy, the the mid range, um, you know. So a lot of people will consider multi-classing into Scoundrel for that. The only real benefits here are the expanded skill list, which you know I, I really and again I can't imagine a good Jedi Sentinel without stealth in his repertoire. So that makes sense. Um, and you know, there's a few highly helpful combat talents that Scoundrels have as well, such as Skirmisher and Lucky Shot. Um, but then again, much like the noble, I think it's better to start first level as a scoundrel and then move into Jedi. Okay, pistol proficiency again should serve you very well when you do the multi-class if you decide to do it that way. Right. Um, point blank shot, not so much, probably because you're never going to pick up precise. It's not worth it. Yeah. Okay, so let's say Dave that you are a noble, and we're going to call this little segment. Uh, pardon me, your worshipfulness. 
And you never uh, you're a movie. noble. You're looking to broaden your horizon, multi-class into something else. Okay. And I think this may have been the root cause for my wife asking me about this because she's got a noble currently and uh, in my flagship campaign. And I think she's a little staid with her. She wants to kind of, you know, maybe branch her out, get her a little bit more experience in other areas. So ah. let's look at some ways you can, you can branch out from noble into the various core classes. Um, three in particular. And the first, of course, is the Jedi. Jedi. Now, you know that GM Brev is running a, uh, excuse me, a, um, a Dark Times campaign right now. Okay. Yep, righto. That I am playing in. And I am playing a character who is a noble who has multi-classed into Jedi for several levels. And his preferred weapon is harsh language. And I kid you not. Uh, since, as a noble, you're probably already trained in persuasion, you're in a prime position to multi-class into Jedi and grab Adept Negotiator and then Master Negotiator. Congratulations, youngling. You can now move a foe two steps down the condition track with a persuasion check. Okay? Ain't you a badass. Woohoo! I mean, it was, it was stupid. Brad was having to throw, like, you know, we're, we're, C, we're a party of three CL... Three three third level characters, um, or excuse me, three fourth level characters, and he had to throw a CL ten at us just to keep it challenging because literally I was taking these guys down in three rounds. Um, you know, just it was it was stupid. Um, so you know, there you go. Now, at, as for feat selection when you're multiclassing from a noble into a Jedi, if you want to go Force user, okay, then pick up Force sensitivity. If you want to stay the hell away from it. Um, you know, I don't know, man. It's never a bad idea to know how to use a lightsaber, you know? And you could pick up that weapon proficiency. Right. I mean, you know, hey, and since you're probably going to be trained in deception as a noble, maybe you can convince people that you're a Jedi. <laughs> Hi, my name is Luke Poopy Pants. I'm a Jedi. <laughs> so, okay, okay. So and on that, I had this idea of, of, remember when we talked about a couple episodes ago, the, the equipment upgrades from Scum and Villainy, and they had the, the one, um... Uh, oh, I think it was called a uh, uh, electrographic handle. I think where basically you have a gauntlet, and you you can you can call an item to your hand through magnetism. Yeah, yeah. So I can see a uh, a noble Jedi who is you know trained in lightsaber usage doing this with a lightsaber, and you know of course using the quote unquote force to call a lightsaber to his hand. You can make a great character out of this. You know, just convincing people he's a Jedi. It would be hilarious. So there you go. That would be yeah. But he'd have a level in Jedi, you know. Well, yeah, but he wouldn't be force sensitive. Yeah, that's true. You know, force um, mm. Very, very interesting. So, okay, so let's say you're a noble and you want to go into scoundrel. All right. So basically, you want to be a crime lord. And this is where TG needs to go with her character. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would agree with you on this one completely. Um, the key here is synergy, right? Um, Who? Ten dollar word, ten dollar word from the business world. Thank you. Business world, synergy. Yes, we're creating synergies and efficiencies to run a multi-operational, you know, user experience. So a noble who starts off with wealth or connections just gets better with talents like knack, fool's luck, or gambler. Okay, or a noble who's a buff bot can now get access to disruptive and walk the line to debuff other buffers in between his own buffs. You can buff your buff and buff on that, bub. I buff the line. I buff the line. So, uh, multi-class and a scoundrel pick up point blank. You doubtfully have it. So there you go. And a plus two to reflex defense is fracking brilliant if you are a noble. Brilliant! So. Brilliant! 
And the last uh, really multi-class combo we wanted to talk about with the noble was transitioning into soldier. Um, hello, my name is Princess Leah. <laughs> I have very uh, absurd-looking buns in my hair on either yes, side. But I'm wielding a rifle rather well. So yeah, so you, basically, I mean, you're you're a military officer, more hey, or less. Padme uh, did pretty good with a gun too. Yeah, she was. Um, although I think she was a straight noble. But I mean, okay. So I mean, you, honestly, you've got you've got the healing abilities, the buffing abilities, the wealth, the connections, and the persuasive charm to lead men. But if you lead them into fire, you are probably going to be the one that gets burned. So toughen yourself up. Learn to use a big gun or some armor. Grab talents like indomitable or tough as nails. Make yourself less of a liability. Okay, and plus two to fortitude defense. Something you probably never thought you'd have. That's right. Yay! Damage threshold. Yay! So yay! Go. Good. Awesome. Yeah. So let's say you are a scoundrel, Dave. Ah, that's me. Calling this segment scruffy-looking nerf herder. Ah. Uh, but you want to be a better scoundrel. You want a multi-class. You want to go off. Okay. Um, so earlier when we when we talked about Jedi moving into to doing like a Jedi scoundrel multi-class uh, for this, um, you know, this sort of Jedi, uh, you know, Sentinel build. Um, it, now it used to be one level in scoundrel for fool's luck. Then straight Jedi used to be this sickly, disgusting, powerful force wizard. But the erratic stick beat that munchkin into the grave, um, so it's a little less nice now. Nerf uh, bat. Fool's luck did, does not do what it did, and, and thankfully it was it was being abused rather heavily. Yep. Um, so honestly, I can I can still see the combo there, and once again for the same reasons. But ultimately, I think it would be best to start in scoundrel one level and then move into Jedi if you're going to go that route. Um, as your first level feat, take force sensitivity. Okay, um, if you're human, take force sensitivity and force training as your first level feats, and then multi-class into Jedi at second level. Pick up lightsaber proficiency at that point. Um, you know that, that's just going to be the best option because you're going to get access to the better skills and the better skill list that you know that you're going to need when you have the opportunity to train yeah. and at first level, and that's kind of you know, where that goes. Yeah. Okay. Um. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, well, well, no. What, what, I mean, what do you think? I mean. I I, I just don't I, unless you're unless you're going for a role play type of situation I just don't even see the scoundrel Jedi come up. Yeah, it's not common I tell you, but I mean, well then again, you know, like Kotor has all the cool stuff about the Jedi shadow, you know, and there are certain time periods where I can see the need for it. Sure. But you're right, you're absolutely right. It wouldn't be that common, and all the Jedi shadow stuff is about using the Force in place of stealth, so you don't have to take levels in scoundrel. Right, right. So yeah, I mean, I totally see where you're coming from there. Um, so but it's an option. Now, uh, Scoundrel going into Noble. Again, Crime Lord, ahoy. Yarg, matey. Um, matey. Really, in terms of which one of these you want to take first. Let's kick this pig. Let's kick it hard. It'll go oink. Um, in terms of which one you want to take first, it's a matter of what skills you want to train in. And that's really kind of the bottom line. The only real difference being if you want to train in treat injury, you're going to need that first level in Noble. If you want to train in mechanics, you're going to need that first level in Scoundrel. Right. Um, well, that's pretty much it. Uh, <laughs> so there you go. Um, okay, the scout. Ah, uh, yes. Now we're talking. Basically, a scoundrel scout, the ultimate outlaw tech. The scout and the scoundrel may not seem like a great multi-class combination at first, but their talents are extremely complementary if you are making a skillful fixer, a slicer, a mechanic, a second story man, okay? 
Each can benefit heavily from scoundrel talents, uh, from the slicer, the outlaw tech, and the fortune talent trees, and then from the camouflage, the fringer, and the survivor talent trees and scout. Okay, barter, evasion are so scoundrelly, but you know they're <laughs> scout talents. Um, so are jury rigger, um, and then and anything from the camo talent tree. Um, and you know, hey, multi-class into scout. Learn to use a big gun while you're at it. Yeah. Why the hell not? Um, now, the major downside to doing this and something to seriously mm. consider, and we're going to discuss this in more detail later, your good defense bonuses will overlap. Okay, that being, you're, you know, you got a plus two to reflex defense and a plus two to reflex defense. Okay. Um, and your skill selections are fairly similar. So, meh. Okay. Yeah. But honestly, the only reason to do this is for talent, which is, you know, probably the reason you're choosing certain classes anyway. Yeah. And you lose two on the base attack bonus also, so... You know, yes, that. and we're definitely going to come to that um, when, we, when we get into Pratt Falls. So another another big thing to think about. Okay. Okay. So let's say, okay. Well, let's say you're a scout. So you're starting as a scout. A scoot. Okay. A scout. And uh, call this segment. I used to bullseye womp rats in my T16 back home. Well, I was looking uh, for the, the, the teleconverter. The, the, oh, I forgot one. Green fine. Uh, so the the scout. The scout. Okay. You, you know, this is hard. This is hard, Dave, because you know, I'm, I'm looking at this. It's like if you are a scout, you're already honestly one of the most versatile classes in the game. You can get by and multi-class the least. I mean, honestly, people are going to be multi-classing into you. You're not going to be the one necessarily multi-classing out very much. Multi-class into me, baby. But <laughs> love you a long time, make you happy. That wasn't funny. Okay, please continue with my not funny behavior. Mildly offended. Ah, yes. (laughs) All right, so multi-classing into scoundrel yet again. Again, this is just the ultimate outlaw tech. And uh, once again, honestly, though, if you want to make a true technician, uh, a true outlaw tech, I would honestly recommend starting in scout as opposed to scoundrel. Okay? Um. Start in Scoundrel if you are going to make a character who's going to need deception or persuasion in their role more often, like if they're playing maybe a true thief. But if you're just talking about the second story man or a fixer or you know, a guy just is just a, a hardcore technician, start in Scout because you're going to get the skills you need. At the same time, you're going to get a better, uh, better starting feats and much better, um, much better hit die, which is very, very important. Yep, righto. And the other real interesting way to to sort of multi-class out of scout um, the only way I would really see you doing it frequently would be to multi-class into a soldier um, which of course Dave would make you a sniping god of course uh, w- this is what I would think that I will do with my next character if I play one yeah. well I mean well, I know you were excited after we had our discussion talking about ultimate builds when we talked about the sniper sniper and, sniper yep I did I love it I mean it's, I mean, it's, I mean Scouts have some of the best ranged fighting talents in the game. A plus two to reflex defense and amazing skills. Soldiers have amazing hit die, full base attack bonus, and some amazing tough and devastating combat talents. Some of the best in the game in that regard. So can you see where I'm going with this? Okay, you, a, a rifleman with devastating attack, penetrating attack, cover fire is an amazing and versatile rifleman. All right. So if you're scout, you know you can multi-class into soldier. Grab those. Grab armor proficiency when you multi-class. Why not? Even if you never use the armor, why not? Just grab. Yeah. It if you got to pick something. Yeah, I know. And lastly, let's say you're a soldier, and I'm calling this segment Clone Commander Jethro. Jethro. 
Are we, are we uh, talking Leroy Jethro Gibbs? Uh, yes, the very same. So, wow. <laughs> Clone Commander Bojangles. Very nice. Mr. Bojangles. In my opinion, I think the soldier has some of the best room for expansion. Um, for the most part, they can multi-class into most any class fairly easily and get some good benefit out of it. I mean, the thing about starting as a soldier, though, your skill list isn't great. Um, and you can benefit so much from other talents that complement your own. Um, the only real benefit to starting your first level in a soldier is, first and foremost, you get more starting feats than any other class. Okay, And they're all great starting feats. Two armor proficiencies. You know, pistol, rifle, simple, you're green. Okay? And you get massive hit points at first level. So that's massive, really, really important. Massive hit points. So, you know, but if you start off as a soldier, you want to multi-class into Jedi. Again, an amazing Jedi Guardian. Yep. But, you know, you're going to have better skills as well. Right. Um, and also, then again, then again, if you do that, of course, at first level, pick up Force Sensitivity. And when you multi-class, pick up your, your lightsaber proficiency as you go. Okay. Now, let's take a look at the military leader from the opposite angle. Now, earlier when we talked about Noble, we talked about t going from Noble and then multi-classing into Soldier. All right. Well, if you want to be a military leader, you can go the other way, too. You can start as soldier and then multi-class into noble. Now, this is going to create a hardy, hardy, hardy military leader. Not as versatile as a noble going into a soldier, but a soldier going into a noble is a heck of a lot more survivable. Right. Just, I mean, based on, you mean, you get, you're going to get more feats, they can use more stuff, and a heck of a lot better hit points. And the way I like to think about it is a noble that multi-classes into a soldier is basically an academy officer. Um, the soldier that multi-classes into a noble is a platoon sergeant. Gunny right? Highway. Basically, exactly. They're both, you know, leaders of men that do their job, but one is much more specialized and uh, intellectual, the other is much tougher. And that's just kind of the, the role you go. I think they're both marvelous builds, but which one you go in first and the multi-class into really is going to depend on which role-playing and technical choice you're going to want to make when you play. Okay? Ah, quite ubiquitous. Okay. And then lastly, of course, um, when you're a soldier and you want to multi-class into scout, once again, sniping god. Sniping god, here I come. And I can pick up Shake It Off when I multi-class. I'm green. And quite frankly, when it comes to creating that sniping god, whether you're going to start first in soldier or start first in scout, which one are you going to go into – it depends on two factors, okay? First and foremost, what's more important to you, feats or skills? And that's going to be your answer. If you want the skills, start and scout, then move up, all right? If you want the feats, all right, start in soldier. Get those armor proficiencies that you're not going to be really be able to pick up otherwise. Um, both of them. Buy so, them today. You know, there you go. And you're going to get the massive hit points as well. So there you go. And to kind of round off this discussion, Let's talk about the pratfalls, Dave. There's there's certain things that you want to avoid when you're multi-classing, or if not so much avoid, at least be aware of, because you may or may not care about them. But you you there's these are things you're going to want to remember or think about that some people don't when they multi-class. Okay, I don't. Now you mentioned this one just a few minutes ago. Poor base attack bonus combined with poor base attack bonus. That counts as bad, Bab. That's bad, bad. Okay, I mean, if I'm a if I'm a scout one, scoundrel two, guess what my base attack bonus is? Plus one. Plus one at level three. Yikes. Yikes. Um. Now, listen. If you, I, I we have a character like this in my current flagship campaign, okay? Jinx. If you're making you the tech wizard, you may not care. 
Okay. I, whoa. Oh, great. Plus one base type bonus. Who gives a care? I'm not, I'm not. I'm not shooting anything. That's not my job. It's not my role. Okay. Then you don't care. That's fine. But if you're level three or four and you're wondering why you're not hitting anything, and that's a problem for you, this is something you may want to consider. So just something to keep in mind. Right. Okay. Second pratfall to avoid poor defensive overlap. All right. One of the major benefits of multi-classing is often a defense boost to a defense that you may not have had a boost in at all. Um, the noble soldier, who now has a plus two to both will and fortitude, which is not very common. The soldier scout with a plus two to fortitude and a plus two to reflex defense. But a scoundrel scout, you know, less than stellar in that department. Mm, yeah. You know, a Jedi can always improve. I think the plus one to defense is a total cop out, but I guess it makes sense because Jedi are pretty badass. They are. Just one of those balancing factors. They're just a little bit, you know. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and the final pratfall you're going to want to avoid um, is one that really hasn't had too much of an issue at the start of gameplay, but has taken a, a much larger role now, especially a lot of the newer books are out, and that is lack of talent advancement. Um, many talents, especially in Scum and Villainy and the other new books, are what the devs call second or third tier talents, meaning they have prerequisites of other talents in the tree before them. And these are awesome talents and they're designed to reward people for staying on one path not multi-classing um so take a close look at these before you decide to multi-class okay. it may make or break your decision depending on where you want to go with the character all right hey that so. sounds really good I'm, i i appreciate that on behalf of the gamer nation i say thank you thank you jesus jgm chris thank you so much for giving me the multi-class goodness and knowledge that i need to succeed as i go forward in life beginning my star wars saga edition journey up until i'm 38 years old and then becoming a geek at 40 dude you're you're all yeah you're you're close man it's cool and don't thank me thank tg it was her uh her suggestion that got right. brought the discussion. So I think I think it was a good one. So thank you, TG. And if you guys have any questions, you don't have to be married to me in order to get them on the podcast. <laughs> we want your suggestions. And uh, coming up, actually, I kind of want to kind of end the show with this. Um, we've had we've had a lot of suggestions, a lot of requests, and we we really want to keep them coming. Uh, we've had a lot of requests for some more ultimate builds, and we're going to be getting to some of those. But at the same time, I mean. Dave, we pretty much covered the core rulebook in terms of just our, our, our looking at it. Right. We started to delve into KOTOR. We covered species. We covered talents. Right. Um, but, you know, right after that, pretty much wham, 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 we got hit with two books. It's uh, scum. scum. Yeah. Scum and Villainy and Force Unleashed. Yep. We haven't even scratched them yet. And so it's one of those things that, you know, at this point, we, the, the system has finally reached a point where books are coming out faster than we're going to be able to cover them reasonably. So we're going to have to cherry pick accordingly. Now, what do we cherry pick? Well, you decide what we cherry pick. This is your podcast. This is a fan-run, fan-generated podcast for the fans. So please, get to the website, d20radio.com slash forums. Sign on. Get there. Get to the boards. Let us know what you want us to talk about. What prestige classes do you want us to delve into? What races do you want us to go into? What parts of certain books? We've had a huge request that I'm, I'm working on right now for the organizations uh, section of the Force Unleashed, which I think is a, a fantastic uh, thing we're going to be moving into shortly. But we want to hear what you guys want us to discuss. So yep. lay it on us. We, we, we would like to know. The organization. Yeah. It is, it is fantastic. It is fan fantastic. And uh, for those of you in the chat room who are asking, no, we weren't able to call TK tonight. He was on assignment. Uh, but uh, I'm sure we'll be able to hear from him next week. So. 
Indeed. That's a We'll call that well, a that, go for call uh, it a next go. week. That is uh next week should be January the fourth. We hope. We hope. It should, should certainly be. I'll, I will be here and happy to do it. So hope you guys will come by in the chat room and uh, be here for the live vidcast. And again, thanks That's for stopping right. by and listening. And, uh, and hope then, to see you guys next week. And then so. January 11th, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> episode 50. Episode 50. The one year anniversary of the Order 66 podcast. It is our halfway point to 100 where the show will end. Some of you have emailed me in concern that we were just yanking your chains, and that's it. We're, we, we set out to do 100 shows, and that's where we will stop. And so we're halfway to our two-year kind of where, you know, I mean, we're halfway there. We're halfway to our journey's culmination. It's a nice round number at 50. It's a one-year anniversary, and we've got Sam, we've got Sterling, we've got Rodney all committed to attend, and then hopefully... Hopefully, I'm 91.5% sure that we'll have Felicia Day. So, I know, but I know, I know. I'm very happy to have Felicia on the show. She needs to be on the Holocron, Dave. <laughs> I don't have the cred to put her on the Holocron yet. Oh, I know, I know, I know. But uh, to be quite frank, I, I really hope we can get everyone on. I know, I know Sam was, was kind of a, yes, I'll be on if I'm not shooting in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, you know. So you know we'll you know we'll we'll definitely definitely get them on, but I can't wait to have uh, Rodney and Sterling on. That's going to be incredible. So right, uh, it's going to be very very awesome. Right, I don't know what fiddleback means by elr gags. I'm not entirely sure what that means. We're not doing any gags. We are not. I promise we are not. Anyway, I think I Boom. think I think he's I think he's trying to term he's trying to to jump into the Felicia's thing. Now Felicia is a tabletop role player. So I don't know if you knew that or not, but that's the angle we're going for right there. Right, yeah. And she's extremely excited about, about Star Wars The Old Republic, so that's what Chris means by um, having her on the holocron. Get her on the holocron. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's too early. We've, jumped the ground, we've, we've so far jumped the gun with the holocron that it's almost ridiculous that we're doing podcasts this early. So. Mm-hmm. You know. Best. But you guys were the first. That's right, we were the first and we won't be the last, but we shall be the first in the longest-running podcast about Star Wars, The Old Republic. And on that note, gentle sirs, we bid the adieu. Thanks for listening, guys. Wish you peace, love, and good gaming. That's right, and keep those guys running. Yeah. D20 Radio, where gamers roll www.d20radio.com This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at starwars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast. Daydreaming with GM Dave. Well, here it is. Almost midnight. 
in the Garden of Good and Evil. Beautiful Louisville, Texas. I got to get to bed soon. Dude, we're getting Some of us have to work tomorrow. Some of us have to work tomorrow, but you know, had you planned properly and... Not I was ready to this gas at 8.30, buddy. You know, of course, you know, the problem was that my wife wasn't ready for me to do the podcast at 8.30. And as any guy will tell you who is married and has that ring on his left ring finger, you check your balls at the door when you get married, and that's just what happens. I find it so hilarious that when my mother-in-law complains about her sons now being deballed, that she doesn't stop to realize that her daughter did it to me. So, you know, I mean, it, it it's a universal truth that if you want to be a good husband, you just have to give on certain things. And the podcast well, happens to be one of them. Well, I, I won't argue with that, but uh, I, I, I don't know, man. I got lucky. I got lucky. I married I married a girl that, you know, she... She likes the podcast. She she encourages it. She I know. Encourages it. I know. And if if, I'm, if a lucky, I'm a lucky son of a bitch, that's why I tell you. If I'd have married a girl who was truly interested in everything that I do, then I would be that much luckier. I mean, I'm already lucky enough as it is. But the you know you take the good with the bad, and the good far outweighs the bad in my case. So we go and, on. And uh, you and you know what? I may, may, it sounds like it's your family, dude. My my wife doesn't really crush my balls. I, uh... No. I didn't mean that. You know what I meant. Oh no, I, I, I know I know what you mean. But but I, I, and, and any any married man, you you are correct. Any married man will tell you, part of marriage is learning to 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 give of yourself for the individual that you're with. Yes. And that 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 can sometimes be a hard thing to do, especially when you're a selfish prick like me. So. <laughs> At least you admit it, and it's true. You know it's true because you said it. The best part about self-deprecation is that you're never usually wrong, and if you are wrong, it's okay. It is okay. I and, think so. Yeah. I, I, I try. That's just the way it is in the real world. You know, it's not all beer and Skittles, guys. Well, depends on where you live. I guess. But, ah. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, so I got this Plasma TV, which I really, really love. And I downloaded a lots of country songs for Rock Band, you know, now that the country songs came out. Eh. Or at least some of them, right? So, you know, I can I don't, sing. I, I don't. I, your enthusiasm. Hey, I can sing Dirks Bentley because his voice is right in my voice range. Um, so are they, they going to come out with the slide guitar and the fiddle for a Rock Band? Is that the, they're going to have the. Well, all you got to do really is turn the guitar upside down. And you've got a fiddle, so you just you have to make a smaller controller, you know that sort of thing. Anyway, um, <laughs> man, I, I the one thing my my old TV was kind of a hoopty, you know the colors are separating and all that stuff, and and it wouldn't it just flat would refuse the HD signal that came in from the Xbox 360. It would just gack and die and go to a blue screen. So now I flip the switch back on the Xbox 360 and I get my HD, even though it's 720p, so it's not true HD, that 10, 1080p or whatever. I mean, hell, the Xbox 360 and PS3 don't even use it anyway. So what are you going to do? But 720p is plenty good for me, and I just forgot how nice the graphics look on that 360. Man. Nice. I mean, seriously, it's greatness. But, um, yeah, I got back into... Uh, 
Call of Duty 4 and uh, the Rock Band, and then... <laughs> he said duty. Duty. He said duty. <laughs> anyway, and the girls are playing on the Wii right now, actually out there having fun on the Wii. So... Anyway. Hey, dude, what, what, are you what are you doing for New Year's? Um, I'm having a uh, I'm having a little party over here, and um, it was something that I kind of threw together at the last minute. So we've got some friends, uh, you know, people that you and I both work with, and your boss, I might add, is one of the ones coming with all his kids. And um, so, yeah, we've got them and some others and... Cindy's got a few of her friends coming over. That's Mrs. GM Dave to you, Gamer Nation. Uh, some of her friends coming over. And the common denominator is that most of these all have kids in the range of zero. Well, in Tracy's case, hers is a newborn just about six, seven months old. But um, the yeah, we've got from babies all the way to my daughter's age of you know, 12, 13, 14 years old. So it was just one of those things, you know, a lot of people have New Year's parties and they say, don't bring your kids. Well, you know, if you're if you've got a family, especially like Kevin, who's got a family of five, it's not realistic cool. to expect them to get a babysitter on New Year's Eve, you know? Yeah, well, you know, hey, that's how babysitters make money. But I know, I know that that's true. And my daughter loves taking care of kids anyway. So, yeah, it's, it, it should be a fun time. We're going to we're just going to we're going to play on the rock band and the Wii and. You know, just generally have fun there, and then at midnight, pop some champagne, and who knows? Maybe even settle hey, in. See, I've got game. I've got half a case of champagne left over from our last event, and um, I'm going over to GM Breb's place. He invited me and the the whiff some time ago, and we're gonna be going over there with our two dogs and their two dogs, and um, we're gonna be just having fun, playing games and drinking. All night in pajamas with several other people, and it will be tight. Yep. Hopefully. Yeah, Fiddleback says it's a GM Dave rave. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Old school. I like I like old school. He's doing, yeah, hey, uh, tell us what you're doing in the chat room. Old school is having people over, and they're watching the entire Star Wars saga. That'll take Real. some time. That will take some time. And I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I will try and watch the rest of season six of... Uh, the fable of Leroy Jethro Tall Gibbs. Gibbs, G G yeah. Leroy okay. Jethro Gibbs. He's uh, Agent Gibbs on uh, NCIS. I don't know if you watched that or not. He's not Leroy Jenkins. Okay, okay, okay. You you watch NCIS? Not that guy. Yeah. Okay, I, I've never really seen it, but I've seen the commercials, and I really don't know what the hell NCIS stands for. But apparently, on the show, everyone knows what NCIS stands for. Because they bust into place like freeze NCIS. Like if somebody busted in my house and said freeze NCIS, I'm like, who the f who are you? Are you an insurance adjuster or what? Naval so, what? Criminal Investigative Service. Naval. Wow, oh, man, the elite NCIS, the elite Naval Criminal Investigative Service. Yeah. Oh man, I want them coming to my house. <laughs> well, you know, most of their stuff is done like in Quantico or you know whatever the case is on. Marine and naval bases and ships, so everybody knows what NCI. It's like, it's like okay, knowing that, what that, the it's that, like knowing what the popo is in your particular city. If somebody says Louisville PD, well, okay, or DPD, Dallas Police Department. If you're in Dallas, whatever, you know. Well, yeah, but if listen, if I'm if I'm from Dallas and I go to Seattle and 
and I get a knock on the door. It says, Seattle PD, open up. I know who that is. I'm opening the door. If I if I go to DC and I get a knock on the door and they say, NCIS, I, I'm not opening. Who are you? I'm not opening the door. What is that? Is that a badge? Is that made of plastic? What is that? So, yeah. Okay. I don't know. I don't All know. Right. So is it, it's like CSI? Um, no, it's not. I mean, sort of. It's it's a cross, I guess. It's a, it's a little bit more story driven, and they they usually focus on one thing instead of CSI. Usually has dual stories. Um, they have a uh, they have a world class forensic um, scientist who is uh, very gothic. She reminds me of a certain teller that we used to uh, employ at uh, when we were both in the employ of Wells Fargo. Mm, kind of yeah. looks like her too, you know, tattoo here and there, sleeps in a coffin, all that stuff, you know. Anyway, she reminds me of her quite a bit, actually. Interesting. Yeah. I correct you up on the, in the chat room. They're saying, um, uh, I think it was Strider said, uh, he said, hey, Chris, if, if they break down your door, you know what you did to have the Navy involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you're probably right, but the problem, I wouldn't know it was the Navy. If somebody screams at me, NCIS, I'd... National Committee for the Induction of Salesmen. I, you know, National Coalition for Intramarital Sex. I, a national, it's national, national criteria for interscholastic shaber. study. It's a shaber. Is it a shaber? Is it, is it a shaber? <laughs> international Studies? The National Coalition for International Studies? <laughs> you like that one? Yeah, yeah. Glad you got that. That's pretty good. I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep, yep, yep. So, in any event, we are just about out of time, so you have to go to sleep. Yeah, I do. I got to go to bed, get to work in the morning, and you get to sleep in, you bastard. Yep. So, tell Leroy's <sighs> sister I said hello when you see her tomorrow. Eh. Uh, eh. Uh, I ain't telling her nothing. That's fine. Telling her, telling her you said she sucks. If you, if you, what, did I, what the hell did I hear in the background there? Okay, well, my wife's in the room, so uh, this, you know, all she, all she hears is, "I'm telling her you said she sucks," and she goes, "What?" Oh, like she thinks I'm talking about her. Yes, yes. The uh, female naturally assumes the discussion is about her. Of course, because that's the female ego voice. at work. The, yeah, it's the safest bet. Uh-huh. The dreaded female ego. The dreaded female ego. Wow. Yep. Oh, oh, by the way, um, <laughs> the entire chat room is waving at TG. Um, yeah, the entire, the entire chat room is waving at TG. The, um, what was I just about to say? Oh, my gosh. Dang it. I've totally forgotten now. I lost my train of thought. Couldn't have been that important. I guess it wasn't all that important. Son of a gun. Son of a gun, man. I mean, I'm just... Yeah. And I didn't really have a topic for daydreaming today, either. I, I it, Originally, Dave, I had intended Dave, to come in Dave. and talk about uh, movies. Do you ever have a topic for daydreaming? Well, yeah, because we talked about video games. We talked about 80s... It was the only topic you ever had for daydreaming. All the rest has just been total... Well, useful, but fun and enjoyable post-show. Yeah, whatever. You know, don't try to categorize it. It's... I mean, seriously, can, can you can you bottle sunshine, Dave? Can you... Can you spin? No, but I got a pocket full of pocket full of sunshine, baby. Yes, I do. I'm, I'm glad for you. I do. And I'll be spreading that sunshine around podcast land here very soon. 
with my new how, friend. How? How is that? Huh? How? How? I'm not sure. You know, I think um, I'm not sure. I'm gonna open my pocket unto the world and show the inner parts of my jeans. Ew. Yep. 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 Oh, and tell TG that I'm in the 42s now. She'll know what that means. Yeah, because she was making fun of you that we were gonna have to trade pants. Oh, you're, okay. So you're down. To, oh, that's what you mean. Yeah, dude. Congratulations. I mean, what do you? What? What is your? What is your total tonnage lost here? One hundred six. You've lost one hundred and six pounds. God, that's amazing, Dave. Dude, I've lost a small child. <laughs> Are you keeping your old pants? Somewhere there, I kept one pair. Somewhere okay. there is a uh, somewhere there is a nine year old that I lost. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna make a couch out of your pants when you're when you're you know in a few months more time. Hey, that would be cool. I've I've often thought about you know how Jared, the subway guy, Jared is like stretches his pants out. Uh huh. Like, and here's the other thing I thought about, and I don't know if I I don't know if I should restart the music or not. I'll just put it up there. What the heck? Um. The one thing I thought about doing was. Going to a place like 24-Hour Fitness and just saying, Hey, you know, I've been a member here for I don't know how long. And look at me. Put me on TV. And then seeing if I can, like, parlay that into uh, some cash. That could be interesting. You know, I just thought about it. You know, I mean. Now, the best part for me is I got this great T-shirt. I know you've seen it. It's that, like, light sky blue T-shirt. And in big, bold letters on it, it says, I beat anorexia. <laughs> yeah. I used to wear that to the gym. And the looks <laughs> I would get from the 90-pound weirdos on the treadmill. Man. I beat anorexia. I beat anorexia. Just brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> He's got some before-after photos. Strider, Strider saying you need some before-after photos. You should see. I got to. You know what? I, I, but the Gamer Nation may or not know this, and this is actually kind of a scary, scary fact. Um, I am an ordained minister. Um, kind of. Um, I got ordained in college online uh, <laughs> through uh, through two services, uh, universalministries.com and uh, streetbishops.com, uh, which is completely free of charge. Of and, course. Um, I was part of a philosophy discussion group in college, and we kind of did it as a statement. But it's interesting, and I am ordained. And um, I have performed no less than seven weddings um, in my lifetime. Yep. And, and uh, yours was one of them, buddy. Mine was one of them. It was uh, thankfully it was not the one that you knew would fail while you were doing the ceremony. But uh, well, my record's pretty good right now. I'm I'm six for seven, so yep. you know, it's it's doing it's doing pretty good. But um, yeah, you know, it's one of those things. I, I I look at the wedding pictures, and I look at I look at you, and then in those pictures, and I look at you now, yeah. and like like your Christmas pictures you just gave out for your Christmas cards. It's creepy. Yeah, dude. literally. Yeah, literally, I mean, you, you've lost a small child. It's yeah, you can see the difference big time, and that's why I, I uh, if you've seen my cube recently at work, I've got my wedding picture juxtaposed right next to the newest family picture that I have, and my wife and I both. I mean, my wife's lost ninety five pounds, so you know she's looking pretty good herself. And now that she just added her third person to her list, that she only had two people on. You know? Oh, you mean the, you mean the list? The list, yes, the list. Her list for the longest time, her list was like uh, uh, was uh, Gary Lavox from Rascal Flatts, the lead singer, 
and Tony Romo from the Cowboys. Well, she's, she's recently added Jason Witten to that list. Interesting. Yeah, okay. exactly. So you Okay, know. so so TG's list is... I, I love my wife. She's such a geek. I love her to death. Her, her list is... Captain um, Picard. Captain, Captain Jack... Well, okay, Captain Jack Sparrow. Of course, there you not, go. Not Johnny Depp, but Captain Jack Sparrow. Okay? And uh, right underneath that is Captain Picard. Yeah, she... she Okay, Patrick Stewart. Sorry, Patrick Stewart. She, she she says she wants to get a bumper sticker. She can find one that says, "I want to be Captain Picard's baby mama." That she'd put she'd put it on her car. Wow. Now so he does think, he she does know that he's gay, right? He he is gay, but I don't think she cares. Okay. Um, she doesn't care. She says it doesn't matter. So there's there's Patrick Stewart, and then she really likes bald guys, and she's got a thing for Vin Diesel. Oh, another another closet gay. Another another another, another closet gay. I know, and and. And 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 a geek and a and a gamer. And I that, know he's okay? a gamer. I know. I know. Huge, huge gamer. And you know who? Okay. Now, and so, so her thing is bald men and old men because also on the list. And this is freaking <laughs> tell, weird. Tell, Telly Savalas. Is, <laughs> no, Mick Jagger. <laughs> she says. She says. She says. You just put a paper bag over his head. She'll be fine. She really likes the way he moves his hips. We went to go see the Stones a couple years ago, and. Um, and she flipped out. Thought he was just awesome on stage. So, you know, you know, I'm, I, you put okay, you put Mick Jagger together with Julia Roberts, and I believe you will give birth to a horse. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. Now, okay, now here's the best thing about my list. Okay, my list has six people on it, not five, because it's the list of five. You know, minus six. Do you know why mine has six? Uh, Siamese twins. No, because she agreed to give me an extra one if I would take someone off my list. Oh, so you got the add one feet talent. Yes, because I had a person on my list that I've actually met. They're a real person that I know. And she's like, no, because if there's ever a chance and a snowball's chance in hell, you could ever actually even be with them or you've touched them or shaken their hand. Then no, it can't ever happen. And uh, there's some sense to that argument. Okay, now who would that be? It would be... Dr. Barbara Cuvadelli, oh. who was a professor in college, and she was Italian, born and raised in Greece. Um, now, wait a second. I don't believe that Barbara Curatelli... Cuvadelli. Cuv- whatever the freak her name is. Giardelli. I don't believe she counts. As what? As a famous person. Well, no, she's not. That was the problem Krista had with it. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So you can't put somebody on a list like that. That'd be like wanting to put old high school flame from Philadelphia on my list. That that won't happen. Okay, well, no, but, okay, but okay. So, all right, let me finish. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Sorry. All right. So, all right. Italian, born and raised in Greece, fluent in four languages, got her MD in Greece, came over here. Okay, and obviously, very attractive woman, very very beautiful. Ah. Um, obviously. And um, came over here, got her MD in the States, and at the time I knew her, was working on her second PhD at my university on the side while her day job being a pediatric neurosurgeon at Parkland Hospital in Dallas, which is one of this major surgery center in the nation. Um, So clearly, you know, just an unremarkable individual. Wow. Um, yeah, and and in the time I knew her, that one semester, 
I met a her boyfriend, and I met her girlfriend. Oh. All right. Progressive thinker. I like it. Very progressive thinker. So anyway, yeah, so I shook the woman's hand once, so she can't ever be on the list. And I think that's a fair argument. I believe it is. Plus, she's not famous, so she can't be on the list. Plus, she's not famous, so she can't be on the list. So that's 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 the tipping point. It can be famous. You know, you put it that way, I think I'm just going to shave my list back down to five, because it's really not very fair. I guess I, sh- I guess I shouldn't have had her on the list to begin oh, with. Oh, boy. Here's TG screaming. All right, so reveal your list, please. Sat. Oh, it's in flux. It's not even finished yet. Well, mine's always in flux, too. I mean... Okay, um, okay, top of the list, I, I don't know why. I've had a crush since forever um, on Allison Hannigan. Like Willow from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, okay. Now she's on uh, So I Married Your Mother, or, or How I Married Your, Ma- Married Your Mother. Okay. Um, yeah, to- totally got it. I got a thing for redheads, so to- totally, totally, totally got a thing for her. Um, <clears throat> Halle Berry is on the list. I think she's one of the most beautiful women alive. Um, I have a serious thing for Famke Jansen. And I have for some time, even though she hasn't done anything recently. And I had a thing for her uh, probably since she was in GoldenEye. Um, and then she was Jean Grey in X-Men. And that, G- Jesus Christ, what do you think that did for me? Oh, God damn. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So th- those three are on the list. Yeah, I know. I know. Old school's like, meh. <laughs> well, hey, what can I say? She's on the list. I, I think she's hot. What, 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 are you, what, what are you What are you going to do? Meh. Meh. And, um... Yeah, the, the the other the others were really really in flux, but uh, those are the those are the definites that are that are on the list right now. Okay, all right. You so can... yeah, I mean, honestly, Fiddleback says, when when do we move from daydreaming to fantasizing? What is this? Hey, hey, daydreaming fantasizing is the same basic deal, in my opinion, anyway. All right, so this is a weird conversation. I, I you know we just kind of got off on a tangent, but you know I I don't hey, I don't, don't want to get that. That's why oh they my call god, this... Fiddleback <laughs> says he's got Janine Garofalo on his list. Dude, you know what? I mean, she she I found her strangely attractive what? during 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 one What the hell's wrong with you? During one movie, The Truth About Cats and Dogs, and I don't know why. I did. I, I it just maybe that she was a vulnerable little ugly person and you know, and I I relate to that because I'm an ugly person myself. And I don't know. It was just one of those things. Anyway. Dude, but she's not on my list. Yeah, but dude, it's all right, dude. She's not on my list. Jeanine Don't make fun Garofalo? of Fiddleback. Do not make fun of Fiddleback. Everybody has their own taste. All right, my particular taste are brunettes and redheads. I think, I don't... I think Fiddleback was cracking a joke, but you're serious. I don't, dude. No, I'm not serious. She's not on my list, dude. She never was. No, but but still, the I found dude. the character that she portrayed as strangely attractive. That's all. Mm. Anyway, all right, so here's my list, basically. You, you know who number one is, far and away, over and above anyone. What? Danica Patrick. Of course. Danica Patrick is, yeah. I would go to the end of the earth. Anyway. Now, the number two you'd find surprising, I think. Okay. Or do you know what? Uh, or do you know my list? Have you ever? Have, I don't know. If uh, probably once. Dude, drunken conversations happen. Yeah, yeah, I probably have, but I don't recall it offhand. No. Deborah Messing. Really? Yeah, uh, I really. Could, yeah. Uh, yeah, redhead, Deborah Messing. Yeah, okay, yep. okay, yeah. And the newest addition since my wife's list went to three, my list gets to go to three, is a young lady named, I think it is I think it is Cote de Pablo. <laughs> so she's on your list, but you don't know her name. Well, I think that's how you say it, but I've never heard it actually said anywhere. Anyway. Okay. 
She plays Officer Ziva David on NCIS, and man, she's hot. Gotcha. I'm telling you. Anyway, but um, I don't know. There's a couple others that, that would come and go in that third spot, I think, but... Oh yeah, they're talking about they're talking about Scarlett Johansson and Natalie Natalie Portman is not a bad choice for your list. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Natalie Portman is not. You know, Sandra Bullock, she you know Sandra Bullock is like she was like she would have been on my list when I was like 30. You know, Natalie Portman's too skinny. She's she's like 85 pounds. There's just no way. If I, I could, like if, I could if I could break the woman, I don't really have any interest in getting with her. I'm I'm a fan of the skinny. Yeah, maybe not yeah, a zero. I, I gotta yeah. have a little. I gotta have a little, little more meat than that. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. All right, man, we're coming up on the two-hour mark, so we're definitely out of time, and it's past midnight. So, plus we're getting we're getting into dangerously potentially offensive territory. Dangerous potential offensiveness. Yeah, you know what I'm. Because that that's always that's that's always stopped us before. And that's the way we roll here on the Order sixty six <laughs> podcast. Morgan Fairchild <laughs> was on my list a long time ago. I thought she was really attractive way back when. Before she became like seventy. Oh, well, that tends to happen to people. Yeah, you know, you get older. <laughs> good night, gamer nation. Good Sleep night. Well, I'm gonna try. Good luck.